I'm glad you're here with us today. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're in a series called Linked, Messages to Connect Distance People. So I'm not sure how long this period of isolation is going to last or what it's going to look like in the next few days or the next few weeks. But I want you to know that we're with you in it. We want to help you. And one way we want to help you is to help you connect in healthy ways with God, with yourself, and with the people that you're going to be spending a lot of time with. So in the first few messages of this series, what I've tried to do is think about how I can help you connect with what's going on in your own heart. Last week I talked a bit about anxiety, and I had tremendous response from people just saying how much it met them where they are. Well, today I want to talk to you about fear, which I know is something that some of you are dealing with. And so it's a little bit tricky to think about the difference between anxiety and fear, but let me try to describe it in this way. Anxiety is how we feel about a potential threat in the future, whereas fear is how we feel about an actual threat in the present. So the main idea, the thing I really want to set in your heart as the truth today from God's word is that our fear is replaced with faith as we grow to understand the power of God. I'm going to illustrate it in this way. I wonder how many of you have ever played dodgeball. Chances are you played dodgeball at some point in your life, maybe in a PE class when you were a kid. Some of us loved it, but most of you hated it. Well, imagine that you're the type of person that does not like dodgeball. And the reason that you don't like it is because you had an experience that wasn't so good. I want to invite you to come play dodgeball this weekend with me and my kids. We're going to go to Jumping World. We're not really because we're quarantined to our house, but just imagine that we are. Imagine that we were going to go to Jumping World where in the back part of Jumping World off Southwest Freeway in Houston, there is a trampoline area that you can play dodgeball. We've been there many times. We've had many battles, but I'm inviting you. You're the kind of person that hates dodgeball. So leading up to the weekend, what's going to happen in your heart? You're going to be anxious, right? Why are you going to be anxious? Well, chances are you had an experience when you were younger that wasn't so good. And so when you think about or anticipate playing dodgeball this weekend, you, you are scared of what might happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it might happen. So it stirs anxiety in you. It's like an electricity or a vibration in your chest. I know what it's like. I've had some anxiety in periods of my life also. So that's what anxiety is. You're anticipating it, fearful, or you're anticipating it because you might suffer. Well, so here we are. We're playing dodgeball, and you've gotten out onto the trampolines. You're on one side, and the other team is on the other. And if you're smart, you're trying to hide behind some kid, some kid that's a little slower and a little wider, and you can use them as your shield. Here you are playing dodgeball, and you see coming at you a dodgeball. What are you experiencing? You're experiencing fear. Why? Because there's an immediate threat. It's actually going to happen. You're about to get hit with the ball. The difference between anxiety and fear is this. Anxiety is a potential for the future, but fear is a threat that's immediate and definite in the present. And last week we talked about anxiety. And what I told you that the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 is that over time, if you'll pray, your anxiety will decrease and your peace will increase. And I challenge you to set a time in the morning and the evening, every single day where you can pray. Start your day with prayer and end your day with prayer. Well, today as I talk about fear, I want to just kind of parse out these two ideas a bit more 
Because I think that not only are you some of you experiencing anxiety, but there are some of you that are experiencing actual fear. There is something happening right now that's terrifying to you. Maybe it has to do with your health. So anxiety uh, stirs the question in us, will I get sick in the future? But fear is, is stirred whenever we cough. I don't know about you, but every time I cough or somebody around me coughs, I begin to panic like, oh my gosh, do I have the virus? Do they have the virus? What do we need to do? Or maybe you're feeling some fear about money. The emotion of fear related to money is stirred when you think about the actual threat today of lost wages. And some of you are experiencing lost wages already. Or maybe you're feeling a fear about school. So anxiety would be stirred in you as you think about what might happen and what might be more difficult in the future because you're missing school. But fear is what you're experiencing right now as you're trying to take a test online or as you're getting ready to do homework, maybe trying to do something that you don't understand. There is a difference. It's subtle, but it's important to think about. Here's the thing about anxiety and fear. You cannot ignore these emotions. And I'm slowing down a bit in this as I lead you to look into your own heart. And here's why. If you try to ignore anxiety and fear, and there is some overlap, I'll, I'll give you that. If you try to ignore those two things, it will have a negative impact on the relationships with the people you're going to be spending the most time with in the next few weeks, next couple of months. This is your roommate. These are your coworkers, maybe. This is certainly your spouse and your kids. So today I want to help you think about what God says with related to your fear. How are you to process the emotion, the very real emotion of terror because there's an immediate situation that you need to God to show up in? We're going to press into this passage in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. As we're going after this idea that our fear is replaced with faith as we grow to understand the power of God. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 40, Jesus asks, why are you afraid? Here he is, he's with his disciples. And what I want you to begin thinking about as it relates to fear is that not all fear is bad, right? So if you're playing dodgeball, if you've accepted my invitation and here we are on those trampolines, you're on one side, the other team is on the other, and there's a ball hurling to your head, if you're fearful that you're about to get hit, your, your knees might buckle so that you can miss the ball. I mean, fear isn't always bad. God put this emotion in you to help protect you and keep you alive. But the kind of fear I want to address is the kind of fear that is crippling, the kind of fear that keeps you from freely trusting that God is able to conquer whatever it is that you face. It's the kind of fear that keeps you at, ha at home. And of course, right now you need to stay home, but I mean the kind of fear that would keep you from stepping out in faith and doing what God wants you to do. Our fear is replaced with faith as we grow to understand the power of God. We're gonna see this in the passage today. So look with me at the story in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35. It's a story that enables us to see the power of God, which is the, it's the way that our fear is replaced with faith is as we understand the power of God. It's a story about Jesus calming the storm. So if you've been around the church or around the Bible for any period of time, you may have heard this story, but I wanna read it to you. Verse 35, on that day when the 
evening had come, he said to them, so this is Jesus, he's with his disciples, he's been doing ministry all day, he's been helping people, serving people, the disciples have been also. The disciples have been helping some, but they're really just watching Jesus. They're trying to understand who he is. There's a sense within them that he might be the promised Messiah. They're maybe not totally sure, but they're watching him and they're, they're observing him and they're learning from him. This is what disciples do when they're around the rabbi. So on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So they're on one side of the Sea of Galilee and they're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's in the evening, verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. So it's Jesus, his disciples in one boat, and there are other disciples, other followers in other boats nearby. Verse 37, here's what's happening. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. This journey was interrupted by this sudden furious squall. It was common on the lake, especially in this part of the day. But this storm was so great. And the author, Mark, gives us this description that the waves are spilling into the boat. We're getting the picture in our minds that this is more than just an ordinary afternoon storm. This is a scary situation. It's been sudden and it's furious, the disciples are terrified. You're, you would be terrified also. I know I would be terrified. Verse 38, where's Jesus? But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Now, check this out. The disciples are in a boat. A big storm comes. Here's Jesus. Sure, he was tired after a long day of ministry, but he's asleep in the boat. The disciples are terrified they're fearful and they awoke him the scripture says and they say to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing now i just want to pause here because this is a point in the bible we could quickly move past that i've learned not to move past too quickly they ask him a raw unfiltered question it's a raw question because here's what they're saying god do you not care that we are perishing. And the way that they ask it implies that they believe the answer is that no, he does not care. Way, the way that they're experiencing their fear is this. It's making them believe something about God that is not true. They believe that because Jesus is not acting in the way that they want yet, that Jesus does not actually care about their difficulty. Jesus, in their minds, doesn't care about their situation. We can't too quickly move past this because I love moments like this in the Bible where people have the courage to ask God honest questions. I don't know if you're like that. I want to become more like that. Some of you have been in the church long enough and that, that you're afraid to be really honest with God. But can I just tell you that if we read the Bible in the way that it was written, we read people who love God and want to honor God who are also very authentic and honest and raw in their questions of God. You can be honest with God. You can ask him questions about the very situation that is terrifying you. You don't have to just snuff those questions or you don't have to eliminate those questions from your mind and heart just because you're afraid it would offend God. God will not be offended. Ask them, be honest with God. I love it that we have an entire book of the Bible written with raw emotion the book of Psalms. And a psalm that comes to mind is in Psalm chapter 44, where the psalmist says these words to God. Listen to how raw and unfiltered this is. Talking to God, 
the psalmist says, awake to command. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Can you believe that this guy is talking to God like this? He goes on in verse 24. Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? This is how we feel sometimes when we're in a situation that's really hard and terrifying. We feel fear, but we're unsure whether or not we can be honest with God about it. And that's a way we try to ignore it. But it's still there. And so maybe what you're trying to do is numb it. But let me tell you something. If it is there and you don't take it to God, it will begin to impact your relationship with others and more importantly, your relationship with God. If you are afraid and you're unwilling to be honest with God, you will not bring your whole self to God, and that's a problem. You'll miss out on a wonderful relationship with God because whenever you come to God with raw, unfiltered emotion, He can handle it. Back to the passage in Mark chapter 4, uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 39. And he awoke, Jesus awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. That's what they want, right? Peace, be still. Anytime we see the word peace in the Bible, it makes me think of the way that things were before sin entered. It's talked about in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. Things worked in an orderly way. Things worked the way that they were meant to work. The relationship between people was peaceful. The relationship between people and God was peaceable peaceful. The relationship in the way that the earth worked was peaceful. What Jesus here is demonstrating his authority in nature. He's proving to them that he has a power that's extraordinary. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So the storm was sudden. And it surprised the people in the boat. Some of you are experiencing that. All of us are. None of us would have predicted a month ago that here we are being shut down as a city, being isolated in our homes. This storm has been sudden. And not all of you feel it the same way, but I'm going to tell you who does feel it. Those men and women that are our medical professionals, they're right in the middle of the storm. Those of you that have lost wages because you're hourly workers and your employer is not able to pay you or unwilling to pay you, you're feeling it. You're right in the middle of the storm. Some of you are sick and you're watching this talk and you're right in the middle of the storm. So the question is, does God care? Can you come to him with your fear? And here's the answer. Yes, you can. What will he do? He is able to speak peace in the midst of the storm. Here's the thing. Jesus was not surprised. God is not surprised by the storms. The point of the passage is not the intensity of the storm or the fear of the disciples. The point of the passage is for us to see that God is able. God is powerful. In fact, all of Mark's gospel is written around this idea of proving to the reader that this man Jesus has demonstrated the power of God over creation, which we see in this story, but we also see in other stories that he has the power over evil. He casts out demons. He has the power over sickness. He heals the sick and the ill. Jesus is God in the flesh. You might be afraid. You might have a situation that feels like a storm. I know you do. 
There might be a series of days that feel like a storm or a moment in your day where it feels like a storm. And what you need is an immediate response from God. That's what they needed. It's interesting to me that he asked them, why do you have so little faith? I mean, they had some faith, right? They got in the boat with them. They're following him around. They had some faith, but they needed their faith to grow like you and I need our faith to grow. And the only way our faith grows is in the middle of storms. Storms are used by God to increase our faith and replace our fear with faith. And as it turns out, these disciples, their faith would grow over time. In fact, a moment that's a far more intense storm than this one they experienced on that lake that day was a moment not too long after this where they saw Jesus hanging on a cross. That was a terrifying day to them as they witnessed Jesus crucified. But they saw the power of God to calm that storm. They witnessed the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead, and this strengthened their faith. In fact, their faith was so strengthened upon seeing the resurrected Jesus Christ that it gave them the courage to be the very first Christians to go and tell other people about the good news about Jesus Christ. Their faith wasn't super strong that day in the boat, but they saw the power of God. And then they continued to walk with God and experience some storms along the way and saw God's power. And then they saw the greatest demonstration of God's power when after Jesus was crucified, God raised Jesus from the dead as a great demonstration of his power and authority to conquer sin and death. Their faith was increased. So I'm going to draw this to a close in just a moment, but Right now, I want to call you to action. As you're thinking about whatever's in your heart that's striking fear in you, that's terrifying to you, do you know a way that we gain confidence in the power of God is we slow down and remember the ways that we've seen God be powerful. So what I want you to do in application of this sermon is I want for you to write four ways that you've witnessed God's power either in your own life or the life of another person. I want you to do this. You don't have to do it right now, but some point today or tomorrow, I want you to write down four ways. And so what will happen when you do that is it will remind you that God is powerful and it will be a source of strength for you as God is using that demonstration of his power to replace your fear with faith, which is what you need. At the very least, the greatest demonstration of God's power is conquering sin and death. So maybe one of the things that you'll write down is the day that God worked in your life to give you a heart of belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that though you've been separated from God because of your sin, he has made a way for you to be forgiven of your sin and for you to be given new life in Christ. That's what we talk about when we say you're a Christian or you're a believer or you're born again. For those of you that are watching that have never crossed over the line of faith, I invite you to do that. God wants to work powerfully in your life to give you new life in Christ. So just take some time, write the ways in which you witness God work powerfully. So what are you afraid of? I know some of you are fearful. And I have good news for you. God is not 
asleep. You can bring your raw, unfiltered emotion to God. You can talk to God about whatever you want. I love the psalmist in Psalm 121, where he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you will call out to God, your fear will be replaced with faith. And if you wonder whether or not that is true, just look at that list of times that you've witnessed God work powerfully in your life or the life of another person. But if in the midst of your fear, you ignore God, your faith will diminish and your fear will swallow up your life. You will be lost and you'll hide. So my charge to you, dear men and women, boys and girls, is to let your fear be replaced with faith as you consider the power of God and its greatest demonstration, raising Jesus Christ from the dead so that you can have your sin forgiven and be given new life. I love you all and let's respond to these words of the Lord by singing and by the ways that Andrew's gonna invite us to.